podcast for giftware and specialty food artisans who want to work smarter, earn more, and live better. Hosted by Stefa Normantis. Hi, this is Stefa. Thank you for listening to Artisans Who Wholesale. Today, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. If you do giftware shows or you're considering adding them to your marketing efforts, Greg is your guy. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Greg. He's smart, savagely hilarious, and a true professional. And Greg is also the Vice President of Sales and Business Development for Green Tree Event Consultants, producers of the New England Made shows. For over 25 years, Greg has developed a keen knowledge of business-to-business media across myriad platforms. He's also an alum of the Syracuse Newhouse School of Public Communication. And before joining Green Tree, he's worked in media sales and marketing for the International Health and Racket Club Association, United Publications, and Diversified Communications. So welcome, Greg. Thanks, Stefa. It's great to be here. This is a blast. <laughs> Terrific. This is fun. The other side of the desk. Yeah. So uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself, Greg. Well, as you're painfully aware, I uh, <laughs> have been doing, as I said, as you said in the intro, business media in a number of different platforms for, for well over 20 years. And a big, big part of that is obviously the show business. And one of the, the most exciting things that has happened in the two plus decades that I've had a chance is to really help companies get their arms around what a show is, can be, and should be. You know, one of the, the pet peeves I had from, from my earliest experiences is that a show should never be an albatross. And what I mean by that, it should never be something that is unwieldy and ungainly to what the rest of your business is about and what you're hoping to achieve. And so we have this great opportunity uh, with, with Green Tree and the New England Made shows to be able to really, with these young and fledgling businesses, or some of them aren't that, that young, but are moving into wholesale or moving into shows, and really kind of giving them that, that heads up of, of how they're supposed to approach shows and just how impactful they can be to their bottom line. So tell me a little bit more about how you ended up at New England Made Shows. Well, I have had the good fortune of living in the great state of Maine for 20 plus years. And during that time, as you mentioned again in the intro, I was largely employed by businesses that were either in New England or in Portland, but my clients and my events took me outside of the region. And about three plus years ago, as you were keenly aware. Uh, <laughs> I was looking for a variety of reasons to, to kind of keep it local. And uh, I can't say enough about my, my predecessor, Peter Meyer, who I absolutely adore, but he was moving into the next chapter of his life. And uh, this was a wonderful opportunity for me to bring my experience and hopefully my expertise and, and keep it local, keep it right here in Maine and, and, and in the New England region. So very fortunate that uh, everything worked out in that regard. Well, I couldn't be happier, Greg. I really uh, feel like we're just blessed and lucky to have you on our team. So, uh, so thanks for being here. Tell, uh, tell a little bit more about what your role is. Very simply, if it has anything to do with the bottom line <laughs> of Green Tree and New England Made, that pretty much is, is my purview, my, my uh, 
my area of expertise. So uh, I often refer to myself as the sales lead uh, internally. Uh, I'm also have responsibilities uh, on the business development side of, of the business, which uh, as it pertains to our New England Made show is uh, how are we potentially positioning ourselves uh, as, for partnerships with other business members, whether it's banks, insurance, uh, associations that uh, uh, can bring their muscle and their expertise to both the buyers and the exhibitors uh, with the New England Made events. Great. What's the most energizing part of your work these days? I love being able to take what I've been doing for basically at this point, I have to admit, is over a quarter of a century <laughs> and help out folks who may would, may not otherwise be able to tap into this expertise or this experience as they're beginning their journey or, if you will, fine-tuning their company experience from, say, straight retail into wholesale. I find that incredibly uh, motivating uh, and absolutely thrilling that as part of the team with with you and Whitney and Vitas and Frank and the rest of the team, that we're able to, to really uh, get folks kind of in the right direction in what is not an easy uh, journey for their businesses. No, no, not an easy journey for any of them. On your side, what's the biggest challenge you find? I, I think it's, uh, it's kind of sorting through the emotional uh, piece of it. Uh, these are not children. These are not favorite animals, but they are businesses that people have started with just basically uh, a twinkle in their eye, if you will, and a leap of faith and a great deal of, of talent. Uh, but when they come to us in New England made, they're typically at, at a, at a, fork in the road. And that means that they have to make a, a significant shift from being what I often call accurately the, the celebrated artisan to being uh, much more of a manufacturing and business partner. And what does that mean? Uh, it means that you have to be very organized in how you're approaching uh, the business as a whole, how you're allocating your resources. Do you have the intestinal fortitude because you can't enter wholesale on a single year flyer. You have to be committed, particularly if you're going to use hopefully New England made as part of the the, the quiver uh, or rather the arrow that's in your quiver to grow that that piece of your business. And what, what we do or what I have to do from my vantage point is really sort of walk people through and in many cases go backwards before we can go forwards. And, and that can be a great challenge. Yeah, as part of the conversation. I'd like to dive into, I know you mentioned that you've got 25 years of, of really great in-depth experience and really hands-on experience in shows. Can you describe why giftware shows can be valuable to artisans? For the same reason, shows in general are so valuable to industries in general. You can go about meeting with potential clients onesies and twosies but that's very laborious. And a show environment allows you over the course of a two, and in the case of our spring show, a three-day period to get in front of a very qualified audience and really get the word out. It's exhausting. Uh, you have to be on your game, but there's nothing more efficient, particularly when you start to look at who all is attending and what the businesses and the booths are looking to achieve. Very true. Very true. 
Can you explain the difference between a retail gift show and a wholesale giftware show? Absolutely. Happy to. The giftware uh, is, or, or I should say the retail, is what I call straight to the consumer. The, it's typically an event that is open to the general public. We know them uh, as, say, farmers markets, craft fairs, where folks will go and they will buy for their families, for friends, and typically onesies and twosies, as I'll often uh, mention it when I talk to, to exhibitors uh, or, or prospect. A wholesale event is, is a trade show. And a trade show uh, means that the trade is in attendance. It is not open to the general public. So you must have appropriate credentials, which means that you are an owner or you are representing uh, a buying organization and that it is an order taking. Uh, products are not being, delivery of said products are not being taken there. Uh, orders are being taken and the size of those orders uh, can be quite large. And that's really where wholesale versus retail, the rubber hits the road because you have to have the production internally to be able to take on that those orders and you have to be able to deliver it in in a time frame that's expected and then hopefully if your products are moving off those shelves there are going to be reorders at a larger volume and so the dance continues and when you when you scale that way the growth for your business can be profound in ways that quite frankly retail simply can't do What's the difference that you see in attendees going to, say, you know, a weekend craft show and what an attendee to a wholesale giftware show? What's the difference in their mindset when they're walking in the door? So when we're talking about an attendee, we're talking about the, the, mm -hmm. the guest. And I touched upon that a bit earlier, but it's important to reiterate when you're talking about a retail event, you're talking about the general public. You're talking about you, Stefa, or me, members of our family. We're going to go, we're going to be delighted by the products, the pottery, the candles, the beautiful uh, craftsmanship. But at the end of the day, we're going to buy one. We're going to buy two. We might buy six. That's the extent of it. And we'll do it once in all likelihood. We might find them again. We may visit a website later in the year, but it's going to be in a very controlled environment. And it's not the kind of thing where you can really have the kind of meteoric growth that businesses are looking for. Wholesale, by contrast, the buyer is looking very much for a, a business partner. And that, and in retail these days, it's very bombastic. We hear about it every day of the, the retailers, the brick and mortar that are, are challenged by the environment. Our buyers are no different. They are in a day-to-day -day battle in staying relevant, in turning a profit. So they come to our shows to seek products that can be a difference, make a difference on their shelf. And that is products that are not commodities, products that they are rarely, if ever, going to discount and are not going to be products that the guy down the street, across the street or over at the mall or even perhaps Amazon online is going to be able to offer. And so it's really going to be about an experience and a story behind it. But yet if the product flies off their shelf, which we hope it will, and grows their business, they're going to be turning around in short time to our exhibitors, their partners, to 
increase production, provide them with more products, and, and it continues, or as I say, the dance continues. And that's very, very different because you have to consider, again, the scalability of how quickly you can get products back out to the retailer. You obviously want to be creating your products at a profit, but it's not going to be the profit you make on straight retail. You're going to have wholesale pricing, so you need to factor that into the equation. And you also have to have an eye towards your R&D, if you will, your research and your development in an appropriate sense of, do you have products that you can easily bring to the market to keep things exciting? Or maybe you already have products, but you're holding back to deliver on them. And that's another strategy. But it's, it's so very, very different than a retail buyer experience. And so that's why as we're having our conversations and really vetting the experience in the background of our would-be exhibitors, it's critically important that they know what they're getting into and that they're up for those challenges. Right. When is somebody ready to take that leap from retailing to wholesale? I think that there are usually a couple of pain points that, that they come to us with. One is that they've been around for a number of years, I would say maybe five to 10 years plus. Maybe they're spinning their wheels, haven't really been able to grow the business as they had hoped. We hear a lot anecdotally of folks who, particularly this time of year, the summer into the fall, every weekend is taken up by mm -hmm. a road trip to a different craft fair or different. And that gets to be very tiring very quickly, particularly if this is a second or third career for certain individuals or, or many folks. And, and they're looking for, for something that can make a profound change. And so we have the conversations. We, we do active listening to try to hear them out and, and see where they're at. And, uh, and typically that will be sort of the entry, uh, or the, the mm -hmm. light goes off, if you will. And it says, yes, uh, these folks are ready for, for wholesale and, and are probably a, a good fit for New England made. Now, it doesn't take too many thunderstorms when you're sitting in a field at a craft show for, <laughs> for other <laughs> options to start to percolate. So, uh, so very true there. Very true. Uh, how does somebody yeah. go about finding out what the right show is for them? Not every show is the right fit for, uh, mm -hmm. for a business. So uh, how do they figure that out? It's challenging because you, you have to... You have to ask the right questions and really take show management or me as the sales guy for, for a show to task, mm -hmm. to really be able to talk about the demographics of who their audience is. And if they're able to take a deeper dive into how do they, how do they, what are price points? How do they order? What do they order online uh, or on site? I should say, what do they order post show? And then usually what that does is it the mirror is then held up to them of what is the best audience for them what's the bullseye where their product is going to do the best and if they've got even limited even limited wholesale will help them develop that profile uh, but you really you can't just I'm sorry no, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna ask what questions should they be asking you they should be asking who attends in terms of what types of stores, where are they in so far as the geographic, who from these organizations are attending, are they owners, are they professional buyers, 
Is it another individual task, maybe a general manager or so forth? They should be asking, how do they participate at the show? Uh, how do they behave? Do they, do they walk it and, and order during the show? Do they tend to order on, say, the last day of the show? Or do they do their ordering after the event? And show producers should have a reasonably good understanding even in an environment like ours with New England Made, where we have such a wide variance of retailers, we know to a certain extent how the behavior goes. For instance, we know that over the course of the three days at the big show, the spring show in Portland, that people will do a lot of reconnaissance on that first day, the Saturday. And then depending upon what they've allocated, if they're going to stay through Sunday or all the way to Monday, they will start actively buying as they get into the Saturday or rather the Sunday and the Monday. And the other piece of it is that new exhibitors have to understand that there's one of the reasons why we're so, we're so stringent about this has to be a multi-year experience for you is these retailers, because they're looking at business partners, may be a little bit gun shy of relationships with somebody that they're seeing for the first time. Doesn't mean they're not going to order from you. And that's where the responsibility falls to how do you engage people on the floor and that you have a plan post show. But you have to understand that they may need to see you that second year before they really feel comfortable of placing orders. And that's not to scare people off. It's more just the realities of what you're getting into with wholesale. And it goes back to my earlier comment of intestinal <laughs> fortitude of what do you really have and, and do you have what it takes? And we're not trying to play an elitist game here, but this is a very different business model than when it's straight retail. But I can't get away from the fact that it can have profound impact on your bottom line. And if you're willing to do that and you have products that match up, then then you should at the very least be seriously exploring moving into wholesale. I know one other piece, Greg, that you often recommend is that somebody walk the show before they actually sign up to get a feel for are your sure. buyers there? Is this, you know, is is this a right fit for my show as well? Absolutely. Uh, if, if they are thinking about it, uh, we do provide, uh, guest passes to both the fall and the spring show. I typically like to meet people, uh, even for a quick five minute handshake and answer some top of mind questions, but it really allows them to see what the show is, what the vibe is. I think it's huge. Most artisans are quite visual. I'm not an artisan, but I'm visual. Seeing how people organize their booths is huge because that's something we haven't quite touched on, but it's a, it's it's an important point. Because you're partnering with people at our shows, you need to create a, a booth environment that really talks about the merchandising of your product and how it's going to be best displayed for selling and not show up with basically your entire inventory. And of course, that's a significant difference between a retail event and a wholesale event. And you get that experience if you have the, the wherewithal to come to one of our shows six or 12 or 18 months before you, you kind of even get your own booth. 
that can be a wonderful way to really begin that that process. I know you and I have both seen a number of companies that had fantastic products, but they brought the kitchen sink. They brought every, you know, sometimes <laughs> less is more. I really just bring your best sellers instead of overwhelming your buyer with all right, I've got this or, you know, whatever it is. So, uh, so that can, uh, you know, people get tripped up thinking that they need to bring every single thing they make. Now nah, just, you know, bring the good stuff, bring your best sellers. I can't, I can't stress that enough. That's, that's hugely important. Right. Yeah. How do potential artisans, uh, prepare for a show and what can they expect for results? I think that it runs the gamut. I never want to commit to anything because the, the spectrum of products and experiences is so vast, uh, but I often throw it right back to them because this is, this is mm -hmm. homework. This is an arithmetic, and it's like, and, and there are a couple of different things that I look at. If they've done anything that even, that mimics wholesale, even if it's consignment, there's value mm -hmm. there because they can go back to see what has moved and what has not moved. And approximately what kind of volume, even if it's modest, and they can project out. Now, even if they haven't necessarily done anything, even in consignment to, to retailers, they can get a sense of what are products that are, as you mentioned moments ago, they're best sellers, because that's got to be your starting point, and build that out and do projections. So treat almost treat your own business entity as a bit of a retailer. And so when you do, say, your busiest craft fair leading up into the, into the Christmas holidays or what have you, use that as a barometer for what are your most active products and use that both in terms of the, the, the product numbers, the units you're selling, and grow that out and use that. Now, in all likelihood, you're going to be off, but it's going to help give you a blueprint that will allow you to organize your thoughts in a way that's appropriate for your business. Uh, because just for me to spout off a percentage is in many cases meaningless. Uh, because it's not, we, we're not taking anything into account like their price points. Uh, we're not taking into account the popularity of a certain uh, product or, or, or sector to the buyers. And, and they may have that information already and they don't even realize that. So I say I said at the outset, oftentimes we go backwards to go forwards. That's that's one example of that. That's great. I know even with seasoned exhibitors, sometimes we see that creep of they have continued their line has continued to evolve, but they haven't gotten to the level of pruning out some of those underperformers that mm. may have uh, just had their time. And uh, as a result, the quality of their booth gets diluted. So even if they've been around for quite a mm. while, it's, you know, you do have to prune your line and really just stay focused on what is the market demanding and, and interested in, in purchasing, no matter whether you're starting out or whether you've been whether you've been around for years. Absolutely. You have to take off the hat of, uh, of a parent, <laughs> if you will, who's developing your favorite products and your favorite company and really pay attention to has, has a product, as you said, has it kind of tapped mm -hmm. out? And is it, is it color? Is it size? Or is it just a whole thing? I mean, has the competition kind of swept in and it's a commodity mm -hmm. of sorts? So you really do have to have a discerning view 
very objective view to your product line. And on the other side of it, as I mentioned earlier, have an eye towards uh, research and development, not to reinvent the wheel, but to fine tune based on trends, color palettes are changing, usage, all kinds of uh, different variables are in the marketplace. I love that you use the word fine tune because I think it isn't necessarily rebuilding something from the ground up. It's just freshening it up. It may be renaming it. It may be bringing in a new color. So I think that's great advice, mm -hmm. Greg, uh, on that part. What are uh, what are the most common mistakes you see artisans and creatives making through your experience? What don't you what don't they know that you wish they knew? I think we've been kind of touching on it in the last few moments. And I, and I think that it's you want to get away from the celebration of being the artist. And I know that sounds a little that sounds a bit harsh, but the given is they are talented. They would not be in the situation where even as straight to retail, they're having this kind of success. So if you if I have to, that's implied, that's implied. But what you need to do, and I'll just give a quick example. Oftentimes, people will talk about how many SKUs, or they may not even know what a SKU is, but they'll know how many different products they have. And it may be hundreds. And, and I'm quick to point out, pick the top 20 to 25. And often, if I'm face-to-face -face with them, their eyes will bulge out. Or if it's on the phone, I'll hear awkward silence. And, and it's like... In sales, we have this, uh, this, this notion of paralysis that if there are just too many offerings, it's too easy for the said, for the would be prospect to shut down and move on to the next booth or move on to the next, to the next uh, offering. So by fine tuning it to 20 or 25 of your favorite, you're doing a couple of things. First of all, as we've been talking about in the last, you know, portion of this conversation, you're really working with your best-selling products, and that's what these, these retailers want, and your experience is rich, rich, rich to them. You're also not overwhelming them, particularly if you're new and they're still digesting who you are in the marketplace. And the third thing, which is brilliant, and we just talked about it, is all of those other SKUs or product offerings, assuming they pass muster in a wholesale environment, which I mean, and what I mean by that is you can make the appropriate money that you need to and still bring it out to the marketplace, that's all research and development. You can bring those 75 or 100 other products out over the course of the next, say, three, four, five years. And it's, it's brilliant. And so, and you're a small business, so you're not taxed with having to really go. You've got all of this waiting, but you, you need to start really very simply. And that's, that's one of the great frustrations is they just come mm -hmm. with too much. And, and it overwhelms people. And then typically by the time I'm having a conversation with them for the next, for the next show, they're disappointed. Uh, and that often is part of it. The other thing that I would just say is understand, have a game plan for what you want in terms of if you're looking for a specific marketplace, like if you, if you've been doing some wholesale, but boy, you really would love to have a retailer in Bar Harbor. Well, identify, do, do your homework and identify the likely candidates. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to reaching out to them or at the very least knowing who they are so that when they come to your booth, you're ready to move. And the other thing is, if you're going, have a game plan that you execute on. And what I mean by what, what are your terms? 
What are you going to sell? What's going to be your offering for your, your package, your starter package? Have all of this done so that you're not scrambling around at your booth and agreeing verbally to things that are not profitable for you. And that sounds pretty basic, but it's not. <laughs> I've seen it way too often where I've been brought into a booth in the second or third day of a show and they have been taught, somebody stopped in and said, well, have you thought about doing these products? And it was like, they go off down that rabbit hole and quite, quite frankly, it's a disaster because they're not prepared to do it. And, and the product isn't likely to be uh, profitable at that juncture. And they've wasted a lot of energy and who knows how many opportunities they may have missed by kind of, like I said, going off in a rabbit hole. So, so really get your game plan and, and execute your game plan. And that will be very helpful because these shows are not easy. They're emotionally and physically exhausting. And you don't want to spend a lot of time spinning your wheel and, and dare I say it, thinking, uh, because you want to think strategically within within your game plan. You don't want to get off the rails at a trade show because that'll be a, that'll be a bad. That's a bad. That's a loser almost every time. And uh, and I've been about. So, anyways, that's that's three things that I. I wish people would consider before they get to the show. That's great. As we wrap it up, Greg, what advice would you have for artisans that are considering giftware shows that may just be kind of kicking it around in their head? Mm -hmm. Well, the biggest thing is, uh, is your product offering. What your price points are significant. And, and what we mean by price points, if people are not necessarily familiar with the terms, so I've alluded to earlier, when you go into wholesale, you're going to be offering to retailers wholesale pricing. And obviously, or maybe not obviously, but that's a discounted rate based on the volume. You need to be absolutely certain that the products that you are considering offering to wholesale are turning in appropriate profit to your business and can be made and can be scaled. Your business can be scaled. In other words, you can grow your production before you start agreeing to these large contracts or these large agreements. And the end result may be, before you've even taken a booth, hopefully, that wholesale may not be a good fit for your products. I, I always get a little bit concerned when somebody says, largely most of my products are one of a kind and made to order, mm -hmm. because that doesn't typically align well with mass production and wholesale. Now, if people can walk me down and, and make me understand that there are certain things like color and, and, and sizing and things like that, that make it more of a wholesale friendly product, then we can obviously kind of move things forward. But there are, if, if, if those are things that don't quite fit, then maybe it doesn't work for you. But really, you have to get your, you have to do your homework about how much it costs to get those products out the door. And then in the case of wholesale, you're going to be taking a little bit of that money off in the name of volume and your products absolutely must uh, be able to, to pass muster. And I'll just add to that, Greg, one thing that I know you and I both see is that people will forget to value their time. They think, oh, my cost mm. of goods, you know, my material cost is this, and that's how they get to their wholesale price. And they forget 
the value yeah. of their own time. And at some point, if they're interested in, in a growth path, that they have to potentially pay somebody else for, for that labor. So if they back themselves Absolutely. into a price point that doesn't include their labor, they can get into a, a pretty tough spot uh, down the road. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Greg. Uh, is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that you'd like to share with the audience? I think the last comment stuff is just something that I touched on earlier, and that is when you approach wholesale, whether it involves our shows or other shows or no shows, wholesale has to be a multi-year enterprise. And if you if you don't have the stomach for that, then I simply, at the risk of, again, being, being very uh, brusque of sorts, it, it may not be a good fit for the, for the company mm -hmm. because you can't make these kinds of changes and expect in a 12-month in a period that you're going to have all the business and all of the intelligence and experience that you need. You really need to go in. I say three years. You can get away two years. But honestly, if, if your stomach is only for one, <laughs> Maybe it's simply not going to be a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I can't say that enough for, to people. That's a great way to end. It's not for everybody. You know, it has fantastic rewards and it can be really a wonderful business that you build. But it's just not, you know, it's not it's not everybody's jam. So thanks so much, Greg, for sharing your expertise. Yeah. And I would love to be able to share with listeners um, how to get in touch with you because you're the guy. If you've got questions out there as far as that goes, Greg is your guy. Mm -hmm. So how would someone get in touch with you? Well, I am hiding in plain sight. Uh, <laughs> I have. I am not the guy who's going to be uh, like not using my communication uh, links here. So direct dial me. Uh, I'm at area code 207-517-6816. And you're going to get me or voicemail that sounds like me, and we'll get right back in touch with you. Or email is terrific, and that's Greg, G-R-E-G-G, I'm not a Gregory, <laughs> at nemadeshows.com. And if uh, at all, any time I think I'm splashed all across our website, uh, so you can check that out if uh, if you don't get it. But uh, it's been a, it's been great. It's been wonderful to be part of this. Terrific. Well, thanks so much, Greg. I appreciate it. Visit artisanswholesale.com for show notes with resources and links that help you work smarter, earn more, and live better.